the open. So Titus chapter 2, 11. If you've not brought your Bible or it's not on an electronic thing, there is, uh, it'll be on this electronic thing here projected for you. So Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. If you want to maybe write in your Christmas card, that would be a great verse. Titus 2.11. Should we read it together? For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And from John, verses 1 through to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And just that verse in Titus once more. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving nature. And we know that as we see you, we see the Father and we see your continued work through your Spirit. This morning, stir faith in you, salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have uh, you written your letter to Father Christmas yet? Everyone's looking a bit awkward. We don't do that anymore, do we? Uh, they've all gone out. And, uh, and uh, uh, my, I was asking my goddaughter the other day, I was saying, what would you like for Christmas? And uh, she wasn't, she's, she's really sweet at times, but she was overly sweet this time. I thought, what has she become? She said, I don't want anything for Christmas, Uncle Edward. I said, really? 
I was thinking that makes my life easier. Uh, she, um, and then she said, I'd like, well, then she said, really? Is that? And she said, no, I'd like some money. And I thought, well, she is now 11, turning 11, so kind of things have changed. She said, no, I'd like some money because I'd like to give it away to charity. Now, that's not the right, you know, it is the right attitude, actually. But I was a bit like, really? 11-year-old is saying that? Amazing, just her heart of wanting to do that. That's not a challenge about raising your own children and grandchildren and, you know, saying, aren't my, isn't my godchildren just wonderful? That was not what I'm trying to say. But there was something in what she said that, that in a nutshell encapsulates this verse. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The gift of God, Jesus, personified, not just a letter, not just a vague idea, not just a concept, the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus, fully God and fully human, given to us. This at the outset of Advent, this at the outset of our Christmas season, at the start of, uh, of even the, the kind of the, the official church year, it begins actually today, the reminder that Jesus has come wonderfully. And just so, a few brief thoughts, and, and we're going to be sharing uh, communion together uh, shortly. Remembering, recognizing, celebrating personified grace. John reminds us that light shines. The light shines into the darkness, the coming of Jesus we live in an age of electricity and, uh, and light bulbs. I, I, I uh, kind of was doing a bit of Googling about this and, and discovered that, that I, I, I couldn't remember the figures, but there's something like 100,000 LEDs, light-emitting diodes, on Oxford, Oxford Street, let alone all the other bulbs. Blazing light. Have you put your decorations up yet? Soon. It's amazing the difference light makes. It's great when you uh, kind of drive around and you see the kind of the really stylish homes with, uh, you know, kind of color coordination and not too kind of gaudy. But then there's the kind of ones who are just saying, let's celebrate light. And the whole house is flashing. It's brilliant, isn't it? Some of us kind of go, oh, they've not got much taste, have they? It's like, great, light shines in the darkness. As we wake up and it's dark and, the, and go home as it's dark, there are those homes that are just like beacons of light. I, I sometimes go and visit, and it's, it's uh, a challenge. I sometimes go and visit um, my other godchild in, in Birmingham in an area where it's a game to spot how many homes have Christmas trees. Because so many other faiths are practiced in that area. There's just one or two. And the light shines in the darkness. We can forget what darkness is actually like. So one of the, the people, a lady called uh, Mary Ann Dahl. Carl, forgive me if I've pronounced this wrong. She, she uh, is from Norway. And she's from one of those places where in January and February... It rarely gets light. It's in the Arctic Circle when the sun is so far in the south that it's perpetual darkness. She says, darkness is very hard. 
She runs, runs one of the town's three hotels. It feels good when the light starts to come back. The darkness can be very depressing. The longer you stay, the harder it gets. She says that she thinks the long, dark winters are one reason why people don't stay on the island for as long as they used to. Young people used to come here for about five to ten years, but now they only stay for one. She said it's even taken its toll. It's something to do with this place that when it's dark, if you sit at home, it's like you're living in a bubble. If you're not active in the community, then you've got a problem. She recognizes the depression and those who even can't cope anymore with it. The gospel heralds light has come. The clarion reminder, the light shines into darkness. It's one of the things that we keep forgetting of, uh, of the fact that our world without Jesus is dark. That the writer John, as he looked back on the, on the ministry and the appearance of Jesus, said the light has come into the world. John prepared for it. He wasn't the light himself, but he testified the light is coming. Jesus Christ. And the darkness has not overcome it. We need to remind ourselves in Advent, not only the wonder of the goodness of light, but the darkness of darkness. In which the light shines brightly. I was talking about this with some people the other day and I was trying to think, um, because it's kind of like, is it really that dark? We live in a context in an age where there's supposed many lights. Many options, many roots, many ideologies, many insights. And as long as you're true to that, then that is the light of revelation. That is, uh, you know, that's good for you and that will direct your paths. One of the shocks of, of Christmas and the unique identifiers is to say Jesus has come. He is the gift of God. He is the light of the world into darkness. One of the challenges of, of the gospel and the wonder of Jesus, he's a beautiful person. He's wonderful. He is the most amazing human being that has ever lived. As Sarah was saying, esteeming and raising up the downtrodden of always associating with the broken and the, and the classless and the, the forgotten and the abandoned of the one through whom the kingdom of God comes of healing, of deliverance, of freedom, of restoration, of teaching like this world has never seen. And what did they do? They tried to snuff him out and they did. They crucified him. We sung it. Crucified. Why? It's to do with his brightness and brilliance and the darkness that we inhabit. I want you to picture yourself at about four in the morning in the depths of winter when it is dark. Okay? You've not got the night light on, nor the little landing kind of glowing thing. It's dark. And uh, then, for some reason, whether it's your, your partner or your, your kind of, um, you're in a hotel room with a friend, whatever, in the middle of that night, your partner or your friend switches the light on. What do you do? You burst out and go, oh, hooray! I'm so glad you've shone light in my face in the midst of the darkness. Why are you laughing? 
you don't, do you? You kind of go, what? No, <laughs> you might like be quite grumpy at that point. Kind of like, it's blinding me. It's terrible. You know, stop it. What are you doing? It hurts. It's painful. Our natural inclination when we are surrounded by darkness, living in darkness, subsumed in darkness, is to recoil from it, to step back and say, it's too much. Turn it off. Now. Isn't that true? Just a little glimpse of how the light of the world comes. Blazes forth. And the world says, no, it's too much. We're living in darkness. This is what we know. This is what we like. But hallelujah, the darkness has not overcome. The grace of God has appeared. One translation would, uh, would talk about the grace uh, of God has dawned. That word is a word that is, in Greek, we, we kind of carry it through in English. Uh, it's the word epiphany, about a revelation, a dawning. So in, in, Luke, in Luke's uh, gospel, it talks about, for Zacharias, there was an epiphany moment. When the people were in darkness, they lost their sense of direction. Sorry, uh, uh, yes, uh, Luke, but quoting the Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, the people are walking in darkness, they've lost their sense of direction. In other words, no purpose, no joy, no hope, uh, no peace, no direction. Walking in darkness without hope, of a godless eternity without Jesus Christ and the grace of God appears. Jesus, the epiphany, the revelation. Wonderful. The appearing. Jesus saves. Christmas has always got this written into it of the excitement of the appearing, the epiphany moment. Children wake up on Christmas Day. Has Santa been? Testament with the full stocking. The epiphany. We await Christmas Day with eager expectation of the appearing. But Christmas is really about the appearance of the Savior. The epiphany. If you cast your mind back to a few years ago, there was a great awakening, awake, awaiting for the appearing of a new baby. Do you know the one I'm talking about? When uh, Prince William and uh, Pr- Princess Catherine, the royal highnesses, the fir- the bo- bir- waiting for the birth of their firstborn child. Remember the, the media... Uh, the, the media kind of frenzy gathered around the hospital in London. Uh, I was reading a story about the, the media. They gathered for a week and all the local restaurants and takeaways and coffee shops were loving the fact that the birth was delayed. And the whole of the world's media were gathered uh, outside that hospital awaiting the appearance of the child. And the news reports. Do you remember it? The news reports. Still waiting. How is it going to be? Who's gathered? When's it going to happen? The waiting, the waiting for the appearance 
of that little tiny bundle of baby. And then uh, the name and the the birth of Prince George. And and I kind of thought, oh, you poor little child. (laughs) Your life's destiny is marked out. The appearing of the child. That word is, is so appropriate. You see, it's not just, oh, a nice baby. That the appearing of the Savior, the appearing of Jesus, that which we are journeying towards in Advent, that which we, of whom we worship, Jesus Christ. For this story of Christmas is also a political story. The Savior has come. It's not just about the icing on the cake. Oh, this is the nice Christmas nativity scene. But the appearing of Jesus is about a whole new cake. What do I mean? Well, in the Roman era, they found this inscription on a temple in Ephesus. That would speak using this word that that is, is carried in the Gospels and caught up in Titus of the epiphany of the Savior. On the inscription of the temple, it speaks of Julius Caesar and the reign and rule of the Romans. And the inscription reads, God made manifest. And the word there is this epiphany. God made the epiphany, the manifestation, born of Ares and Aphrodite, the common savior of human life. Julius Caesar. You see, they, they knew at that time that, that the emperor was so significant. They called him Lord, after all. They had to worship and pay homage and recognize that he was the most important person. But Paul so wonderfully writes, for the grace of God has appeared, the epiphany that offers salvation to all people. The Julius Caesar and any other so-called rescuer is not the common savior of human life. It is Jesus. The Paul Ritz Large highlights would put in flashing neon lights on homes in the great darkness of the north in the winter. The son of God has appeared. Born in Bethlehem. The son of David. God, in his grace, has intervened. Wow. Not only is Christmas the season of light, it's the season of Christmas music. Who's enjoying all those Christmas favorites? Sarah is. Fantastic. What's your favorite Christmas ditty? Is it Slade? Is it Mariah Carey? Anyone going to volunteer that? Or you, uh, you probably will be all very virtuous and tell me a carol in a minute. Uh, we can tell Kate's is um, away in a manger. One of the ones I was thinking about, bizarrely, is, is Chris Rears driving home for Christmas. Why? Well, not only does Titus and, uh, in the letter and, and Paul writing 
The grace of God has appeared and offers us salvation, offers salvation to all people. That we remember that light is shining, that Jesus saves, and that no expense is spared. That salvation is God's Christmas gift to the world. That no expense is spared, that God has given his all. He really has. I'm reminded of, of someone uh, who is uh, telling the story about a couple, a uh, married couple for a number of years, and, and they were having great challenges, difficulties in their relationship. And uh, they, they realized that they need to, to invest in marriage counseling because it was coming to that point of, could it continue? And before the counselor, they're kind of talking and about the relationship and, and it got a little bit heated and, uh, and the husband says to the wife, I don't understand. I've given everything for you. I've given you a new home and a new car to drive and, and new clothes to wear. I've given you this and this and this and, and made a list. And his wife pauses and looks at him and says, that's true. You've given me everything but yourself. You see, in this season, we remember the goodness of God in so many ways, but ultimately, it's about the fact that he's given him of himself his son. The grace gift, the gracious God, totally undeserved. Into the darkness, while we were still sinners or enemies, he gave himself. Someone has commented that the word grace means all of him for me. Paul writes in Titus, for the grace of God, of all of him for us, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And then goes on in verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. That he has given himself, but also in his giving that invitation to turn from darkness to light and respond in faith. Grace being all of him for me. Faith being all of me for him. The reminder in Advent, that call and that response. To worship him who has given his all for us and in faith to reply all of me for him. The light shines. He is the savior. And no expense is spared. It's demonstrated here as we share in the meal. Grace of God given for us. Jesus, the gift of God, breaking bread and pouring out wine and saying, this is a testament to what I now do. This is the fulfillment of why I have come. No expense spared. To be the savior of each and every person, but to order and herald a radically new system, a way of living and believing kingdom of God. Henry and the band are going to come up and lead us in a song. Can we sing Beautiful Savior?
as we, as we give thanks for Jesus. I want to pray that if you're here and you, you would like to, to make that step of faith in recognizing he saved you, he's given himself, he's come amongst us, that you wouldn't shy away or balk or turn and say, the light is too bright, I want to go back into these other ways. If you want to start, and turn and begin, or you've, you've grown cold, or you've, you've backslidden, or you've kind of become disillusioned. Pray you'd embrace the light again. As we worship and as, as we welcome at the table those who are weak and broken, those who are humble, those who say, yes, Jesus, I'm so thankful for your gift. invite you to stand with me as we worship together. Beautiful Savior.